Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, on this morning's show, I want to go back and discuss an issue that we have covered, analyzed, and dissected many times on this show before. And yet, every time another incident pops up in the headlines, I just feel a compulsion to go back and discuss it with sports parents and coaches yet again. Now, I'm talking about out-of-control parents at their kids' games. Parents who basically lose control of their emotions suddenly are screaming horrible, terrible things at the refs, at the opposing players, at the coaches, and much too often at their own kids who are actually playing in the game. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. This has become something of a, an American pastime over the last uh, couple of decades. And it's just become not only embarrassing, but the fact of the matter is it is downright shameful. And it has to stop. Now, the good news is that over the last 20 or 25 years since we've been addressing this issue, the number of out-of-control moms and dads and these incidents I talk about, well, they've come down in number. Two decades ago, we were dealing with a true national epidemic of parents who felt, I guess the word is, entitled to yell and scream at their kids' games. The problem is that refs and umpires were being physically attacked by parents in parking lots after the games and sometimes even during the games. Parents would confront coaches about their kids' lack of playing time. Sometimes they do it right after the game, sometimes even at halftime. Parents would scream and yell at not just their kid during the game, but also would take the bold move of yelling at their kid's teammates. To, For example, to pass the ball, or to, to hustle more during the course of the game, or to, to play better defense, or whatever. These parents have no shame to not only yell, but to yell not only at their own kids, but to yell at my kids or your kids. <laughs> that, that's, that's a no-no. Mind you, these parents I'm talking about, these obnoxious parents, these individuals, look, they're not inebriated. They're not high on drugs. 
They're not mentally unstable. <laughs> no, these are the moms and dads who live in our communities. They send their kids to school. They're, they have jobs. And by all conventional standards, they're fairly well-adjusted people. <laughs> Except when it comes to their kids and sports, they just seem they just can't seem to keep their emotions under control. It's it's like it's like they get to the game and things start don't go what they think are going well uh, in their mind's eye, and their kid for some reason they feel is either being uh, cheated by a bad call by a ref or an umpire or or who knows what. But the fact of the matter is that they just lose control. You know. As I said, this has been an issue. It wasn't an issue when I was growing up, it, and I'm sure for many of you, the same thing. This is something, a new invention that's taken place over the last 20 years. In fact, I can even recall that Oprah Winfrey, she even invited me to go on her national TV show to discuss this issue. And when I met with Oprah before the show, she said to me, Rick, I really don't know much about sports, and I don't have any kids. But I do know that sports parents are totally losing control at their kids' games. And you know what? She was absolutely right. 20 years ago, the problem in this country was so bad that many, many communities all around the nation instituted mandatory sports parenting seminars, which every mom and dad, if they had kids playing sports in town, Every parent had to attend these seminars, which were mandatory, before their child, before their kid, was allowed to play on a local youth team. In other words, if you as a parent, if you didn't attend or go through the seminar, well, your kid paid the price. He or she couldn't register to play on a local league. Now, that was pretty extreme, but quite frankly, a lot of towns did this because they knew the issue was out of control. In fact, uh, more recently, there was an article in, in the Washington Post a few months ago in which I was interviewed about what we have learned from those dark days. Now, you know me, I've always maintained that there should be a zero tolerance policy for sports parents at games. Zero tolerance. If you're an adult and you can't keep your mouth shut or say only positive things to the kids playing in the games or to the umps and refs, officials, well, when you cross that line, I either the referee or the official or the umpire, they should be empowered to stop the game and ask you to leave immediately. And most importantly, when you are banned from that game, you are banned not just for that game, but you're banned for the rest of the season. No exceptions, no alibis. I mean, every year, Every year, there were always athletic directors, meetings with parents, uh, you know, when the kids are playing sports at the high school level. Obviously, it happens at the youth league as well. Uh, there's always paperwork that goes out, contracts, whatever you want to call them. But the fact of the matter is, parents are told every year, like clockwork, you must behave at your kids' games. And that point is drilled in every year. We know it. And before every game, there's usually an announcement at the high school level about parents, uh, uh, spectators. We expect you to behave yourselves at these games. Let the kids play. Let the coaches coach. Let the refs ref. But you are there just to uh, watch and observe and offer positive encouragement. You're not there to, to boo. You're not there to say horrible things, to use profanity. And you're sure are not there to confront officials or coaches. And if you don't, if you can't do that, if you can't do that, why do you deserve a second chance? You're gone.
I mean, you're just gone. And I said, you have to leave the referees and officials, give them the power to literally stop the game, uh, to, to point out somebody who is offensive in the, in the stands or in the sidelines, and that person is just gone. You're accompanied uh, out of the ballpark or away from the stadium or whatever from the gymnasium, wherever it might be, you are gone. And you don't get a second chance. There are no excuses, nothing. I mean, I, yes, your child can keep playing. You can't penalize the youngster. It's not his or her fault that their parent is a jerk. But you, as the adult, you've just forfeited your privilege of going to the games, to their games. I honestly don't understand why moms and dads don't get this very simple mandate. Somehow, I guess, you know, they, they feel they are, as I said, they feel they're entitled to be obnoxious at sporting events because perhaps they paid some sort of fee to have their kid on the team. Somehow it's like, uh, it's like they, they feel as though like they paid for a ticket for a professional sporting event, which gives you the right to be obnoxious at those games too. No, that's, that doesn't seem to make sense. Anyway, the problem is this. These situations of obnoxious parents still continue on. Yes, they have dropped considerably over the last uh, 20 years, but there's still a hardcore percentage of these people who come to our kids' games. It's as simple as that. And I want to talk about this today and what you're seeing, because I'm getting increasing reports that this is on the rise again. I do think the root of this issue has to do with a sense of personal entitlement, which drives a lot of this anger uh, you know, from the parents, and somehow the parent feels they have a right to intervene. It's as simple as that. Again, this wasn't so much an issue, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, but it has been over the last two decades. And as I said, I keep seeing these headlines from all over the country where we're seeing, you know, officials, referees, umpires uh, are, are dropping off in numbers because they don't want to be go through the verbal and sometimes physical abuse that they're encountering at, at kids' games. And there's no reason for this. It's no reason. It's become, I said, unfortunately, part of the American fabric, and it just has to stop. And it's easily stopped when we just sort of, sort of band together the, the, the parents who get this and say, no, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. You, you do this, you're out of control. Why should we have to sit there and have our kids see you go nuts at, at, at a youth game or at a high school game? 877-337-6666. That's, of course, our number. I, I want to talk about this issue that never seems to go away. It's The time has come. Uh, and, and I think the fact of the matter is we have to sort of get together as sports fans, as parents, as adults, and that's the term I use, adults, why we have so, few, have so many people who still feel that they have this right to do this. I, I just think the time has come uh, to figure this out. And again, I have some other thoughts which I'll share with you this morning. You've heard me say about zero tolerance. I think that's essential. I have other thoughts as well. If you know deep down in your heart you are one of those parents, that if you go to watch your son or daughter at, at a competitive sports event, you know you have a hard time keeping yourself under control, I have some advice as how you can sort of figure that out. All right. 877-337-6666. I want to get a very interactive discussion this morning about this topic. Uh, I will take a break. When I come back, we'll dig in and we'll get to your calls right away. Stay with me. Yes, sir. Now we're talking. Start her up. <laughs> okay. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about out-of-control sports parents, and we're going to take your calls. I, I, you know, I have to tell you, before I go any further, let me just provide a little bit of advice, which I've learned over the years 
if you are a coach and you find yourself confronted by an angry parent. Uh, again, this could happen right after uh, perhaps a practice where a mom or dad comes up to you and obviously you can tell they are angry and they want to get a piece of your time and get into your face. It could happen after a game. Uh, whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's hard to find a coach these days who hasn't been confronted by an angry, out-of-control mom or dad. My advice, whatever you do, just keep your cool. Do not, do not argue back with them. In fact, just don't say anything at all. Just let them vent their spleen. You give them five minutes and let them, you know, basically let them tell they wanna, what they want to tell you. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, when, you, when they finish after five minutes, you say, look, thank you for your feedback. I will take what you say under advisement, but uh, there are other people who are waiting for me, and I'm afraid I have to leave. And, and basically, you walk away. Don't let them, con don't let them uh, continue to follow after you. Just be very polite and very professional. But don't get involved in, in a dispute. Even if they say things that, that don't make sense to you or you know are flat out wrong, when somebody is angry and hot and out of control, do not get involved. Just be polite, be professional, and you be the adult and you walk away. Remember, when you fight with a skunk, you're going to both end up smelling. So let the parent vent and let them have, have their say for five, maybe even a few more minutes to be honest, maybe five, seven minutes, but that's it. And you listen without disagreeing with them or saying anything. Just let them talk and then say, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your feedback. Take what you say under advisement, but I have to go. There are people who are waiting for me. Do not make any promises. Do not retaliate in any way. You probably won't agree with anything they say, but the fact is, and you will be tempted to, to, to say something, but don't. That will only make the parent even angrier and hotter. Okay, 877-337-6666. Let's talk about this because it is a concern. Let's start our conversation. For me, let's go to, uh, to Rob Freed. Good morning, Rob. You're on the fan. Rick, always a pleasure. I've been busy the last few weeks. I've been listening to you on, on podcasts. I've been doing a lot of racing, you know, with the Boston Marathon next week, getting ready. Yep. But, but here's my thought on this. A couple of things I want, I want to throw out. Number one, um, as far as travel teams, which is like I call that, Pay for play. And the parents feel like, you know, listen, we're paying a lot of money, and we feel like we have a right to have our kids, you know, play, play because we're opening up our pocketbook, and, and we feel like this is something that we're giving, and I think now the coach has to kind of now let, let, let my kid play, all right? So they almost feel like they have a real right versus the high school or junior high school or public school uh, program, which is very, very different. Because there the coach is kind of like in charge, okay? They can meet with the coach. They can talk to the coach. They can say, Coach, you know, what's wrong with my son? What, why isn't he getting playing time? What is it that you're looking for? And the coach might say, well, listen, he's got to work on this skill. He's got to work on that. Um, he's a junior. I, I see by the time he gets to be a senior, uh, he'll, have, he'll have a lot more playing time because I feel the seniors right now are, are, are basically better players. And by sitting and watching and getting into a game here or there, you know, that's, what, that's all I can do at this particular time. So there's a big, big difference, Rick, I, I feel, between the travel. And I think the travel is, is more of a problem. Now, I just want to end this. You talked about this being a uh, relatively recent problem. I'm going to go back 40 years, okay? Mm -hmm. My dad was officiating a basketball game 
uh, one Sunday, I remember, and I was there watching it. And there was a uh, an irate uh, parent, and he, my father made a call on one on his kid, and he started screaming at him. He goes, that's a horrible call, you know. Uh, what kind of call is that? I want to, we're going to meet afterwards. <laughs> my father politely yes. looked at him and said, sir, I got a job to do. You know where to find me later, okay? Continued the game. Guy continued to berate him. Game ends. My father goes out. Guy never showed. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times these parents are just frustrated. They, they, they're living through their kids. And this is like we've said this many, many times. A lot of parents, they feel like they never maybe were athletic or, they, or they're just so into it, Coach, that, that they, you know, they want to see their kid do well. They put so much of their personal feelings with a kid probably might might care or they might not care and, and and i think like you basically said there's no room for this in, in, in sports but this has been a long-term problem and 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 i i want to hear what some of your your callers if what they think of my my point on the travel versus well i was going to say rob that that's a pretty that's a pretty um interesting perspective and i think you onto something there because yes uh there might be a real parallel between the the advent and 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 continued growth of travel and club teams in the last 20 years 25 years and the fact that parents who obviously pay for their youngster to be in those travel programs and you know we know those are expensive the, the costs go well into the thousands of dollars so they feel that they are entitled because, after all, they're the ones who are paying the salaries of the of the coaches and, and, and so on and so forth. And they feel their kid's not being treated well or not getting enough playing time or being playing the wrong position. They do feel entitled to go and hoot and holler and make a make a, a, a real scene at the games if they feel that the, they, they're, they're just not getting their so-called money's worth. As opposed to what you're saying uh, with high school, where obviously the high school coaches, they're not getting paid by the parents. They're, they're individual, uh, you know, they're people who work for the school district, and their, their pay comes from the school district from taxpayers' dollars. They're not being paid directly by, by the, the parents. I do think that that's a significant difference and may explain why it is. And, Rob, thank you, as always, for the call. You got it, Rick. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Rob. You know, the thing is that, that people that today – Maybe we have to reinforce to the parents, say, look, you know, high school coaches are, are different. They are educators, uh, and they're here to treat all the kids the same. That is their job. And the fact of the matter is you may have an issue with, with the coach uh, regarding your kid's playing time or whatever, but that's up to the kid to go to the coach, not you. You have no right to do that. And, and honestly um, – you know, maybe it's up to the the kids who are on club teams and and travel teams. The, the parents have to understand that's a whole different situation. And if you really feel that you're not getting, as I say, your money's worth with your kid, okay, then you can call and have an appointment with the coach or or the, the league uh, administrator, whoever runs the team. But it's a difference between playing for a school coach as opposed for an outside coach on a travel or club team, and that's. That's a big difference. Now, let's let's move on. By the way, I just want to remind you sports fans that today if you have uh, if you have you know your history, today, October 3rd, 1951 was the shot 
heard around the world. Of course, uh, the New York Giants, uh, you know, <laughs> winning the pennant. Um, it was a big, big day. And, and uh, something else big that day happened as well. And that involves my next guest, uh, Jack Smithlin. Jack, good morning. What else happened on October 3rd, 1951? Uh, how you doing, Rick? Well, I was actually born at the second that Bobby Thompson hit that home run. And October 3rd, 1951, I believe it was 4.03 in the afternoon. My father had laid his whole week's paycheck down because he was from Brooklyn. And the rest of my life, well, you, you can do the math. So, you know, and it's funny because, you know, the Mets coming into town, coming into, into New York, you know, people, there's a big-time trivia question. Why do they wear blue blue and orange? It's for the Dodgers and the, and the Giants. Yes, of and, course. And, you know, I became, I became a Met fan. Um, I was actually at opening day at the Polo Grounds um, in 1962. I was uh, just about 10 years old, 9 years old. And you know what? Uh, my life's been hell again. The Mets, <laughs> look what the Mets have done in, in all those years. So, you know, I've been a Met fanatic. But, but do you, you think there's what? any uh, any connection between the fact that the San Francisco Giants are having such an amazing season this year? Uh, do you think there's yeah. any cosmic connection between your 70th birthday and and um, and the fact you're doing so well? Yeah, I, 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 you know, in fact, I, I was thinking about kind of like moving over to the Giants now, and maybe I'll have the rest of my life might be a happy one. You know, I mean, the Mets just can't seem to get it together. They just don't get it. I don't no, know. I'm afraid but, the Mets you know, are... Yeah, I'm a diehard. Yeah, I hear I'm you. a diehard. Well, no, no, Jack, but you obviously it, spent your life as, as obviously uh, in education and physical education, education, you know, with kids, and, and obviously, I'm sure along the way, you have confronted or seen parents who are out of control. Um, you know my feeling about this. I feel very strongly about the time has come for zero tolerance. There's just no, there's no reason to give parents, grown-ups, adults, a second or third chance. They've been educated. They know they shouldn't be doing this. Um, well, what are your sense about this? What have you seen? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I worked, I worked, taught in a school for 30 plus years that is a, a school for learning disabled and impulsivity is a learning disorder. And, you know, the problem with our parents today, and, you know, it, it's funny because I've always taught my kids and I've worked with many, many kids with impulsivity. Yeah. And it's an impulsive reaction. It's like somebody who throws a ball at your face. Your impulse is to get your hands up. Well, it's the exact same thing in a situation when an ump makes a bad call or a coach makes a bad call or a coach doesn't put a kid in. It's an impulse reaction, and it's very tough to control. But once again, the parents need to be able to think. But impulsivity is actually can be taught. It can be worked on, and it can be controlled. It is an emotion. And emotions, your own emotions, you're the only person who can control your own emotions. You know, it's one of the things that I've seen, and coaches have a lot to do with this too, like you said before. And just getting off track real quick because, you know, being 70 years old, my mind is kind of like blank half the time in my life now. <laughs> but getting back to Rob, getting back to Dr. Rob, he was right on. But I have a solution for those pay-for-play people. Give them their money back and tell them to take a hike. I mean... You know, the problem is is that a lot of the coaches do remove the kids, but they don't give the money back. So yeah. what they did is they just started a whole new problem. So you got to give them their money and tell them to take a hike. You're not tolerating this. But coaches, too, when coaches are out of control in games, 
You know, they have the same situation. They're creating their parents, their fans, to now become irate and crazy the same way they are. So, you know, coaches have to understand that in many cases they can control it. I mean, for that one or two parents that just have no clue what they're doing, have no clue, you know, I have a, I have a saying here. And one of the things I say to the parent is we are here to make it fun for our kids. Okay, I don't care how great you think you are as a coach or how great your team is or how much instruction and skill work you do. The main goal is to have fun. And I tell my college hitters this every single day that they walk in. If you're not having fun, go find something else to do. And that's the true fact, whether you're getting paid for it or not. If you're in college on a scholarship and you hate every minute of it, but you know what, your father played there or your mother played there, Take a hike. Get get out of there. It's not fun. And then you walk up to a parent and you say, do you think it's fun for your kids to see you being removed from the field because you're an irate parent? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, I don't that's, think so. so go I was going to say, Jack, I mean, I, I think you make a very uh, you know salient point here about the fact that, you know, maybe it's the coaches that have to remind themselves when they go ballistic during the course of a game that they under, they have to understand that not only has an impact uh, you know on, on their team but also on the the, the people the, the fans in the stands and they feel well if the coach can do it and he or she is an adult then I guess I can do the same thing but obviously it's not the same it is not the same and and it's not meant to empower you know parents to to you know be out of control uh, I. I as far as, you know, basically drawing a line in the sand, yeah, I, I do think the time has come because clearly this problem doesn't seem to go away. It just seems to persist uh, like an itch, and we just can't seem to get rid of it. And I, I don't know if it's, again, as I said before, you know, with travel teams, club teams, you know, if, if the parents uh, feel they're paying for this, they feel they're entitled to say and do what they want to do. But again, uh, at some point, somebody has to say enough. And that's why I, I feel very strongly that if, if, a, if a ref or an umpire or, or an official is working the game and, and they're being harassed by a, a person in the stands or on the sidelines, just stop the game and have that, and have, have that person pointed out by the official or the ref, and have them have them be accompanying out of the ballpark, out of the arena, out of the the, the the gym. But it has to be done. And honestly, when that word, when parents, other parents see this happen, when somebody is was basically ushered out uh, from away from the game, the word spreads very quickly amongst the other all the other parents that this uh, this code of contact is is going to be enforced, and all the spectators will guarantee they'll behave better. But it does take. And Jack, thank you uh, as always for the call. And thank you, uh, happy birthday! <laughs> it's amazing uh, that you're the same day as Bobby Thompson's uh, shot heard around the world. But what it does take in this is take someone in a position of authority to stand up for the ref or the ump, and someone has to back them up and enforce the uh, dismissal of that offensive parent in question. I mean, look, remember this. As what Jack mentioned, parents have to understand that they should be cheering for their kid or their kid's teammates, even the, the youngsters on the other team when they make a good play. When parents are in the stands, the kids who are playing, they're always watching them and looking to see if the mom and dad, if they're pleased with the kid's actions. So you have to behave like a grown-up and set a good example. I mean, I, I tell you, kids all look for approval from their parents. Uh, and if you want them to play harder, 
when they look up at you, just give them a smile, give them a thumbs up, and, you know, encourage them. And I said, I know lots of schools and leagues have the parents sign a, a piece of paper before the season begins that they understand they are expected to behave at their kids' games. Everybody agrees with that. But when the games start, that's when things begin to change and things fall apart. So you have to have a way to enforce that piece of paper, that code of conduct, that agreement that the parent signs, and then basically make sure it's executed. Again, once an obnoxious parent is pointed out and then escorted away from the field, as the, you know, I'm telling you, things just change for the better. People get the message. And I don't understand why this doesn't happen more often. I see it happen routinely over the years at, at sporting events like for soccer, high school soccer, high school ice hockey. It works. It has to be done. It's as simple as that. Let's uh, 877-337-6666. Let's take a let's take a quick break here, and we'll we'll take some more calls about this issue. As you know, I feel very very strongly about this, and I know a lot of you feel as well. But again, I want to get some more thoughts and comments to see what you're seeing out there. I'll share some recent stats with you as well. 877-337-6666. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good life advice from the Rolling Stones, and uh, I would <laughs> I would basically encourage moms and dads when it comes to their kids in sports to understand you can't always get what you want. Uh, very, very nice selection by by the Zoo Man this morning, Ed R. Zoo Man, who's working uh, behind the glass for us on the Sports Edge. Uh, quick reminders, first of all, my website uh, has a new and revised and upgraded look. It's much easier to, to uh, navigate, and so when you get a moment, Please check it out at AskCoachWolf.com. You'll find the best of my blogs from over the years there, uh, plus easier ways to contact me. A lot of you are already doing that, which is great. A listing of all the books uh, that I've written about sports parenting and sports psychology. It's all there on AskCoachWolf.com. And, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at hashtag AskCoachWolf. And I just uh, I just want to follow up with Jack Smithland's comment before regarding the, the code of conduct that parents sign before every season. Yeah, it definitely has to be stipulated in, in, in print, in black and white, for any, any parent that says, you know, look, if we're going to enforce this zero-tolerance policy. So if you, you know, are basically given the heave-ho and asked to leave one of your kids' sporting events, uh, you should know that. You are not only going to be gone for that game, you will be banned for the rest of the season. But make sure, uh, particularly coaches, athletic directors, make sure that's in writing. So if the parents come back later on during the season and say, wait a minute, I, was, I didn't know about this. Well, it's right there in the, in the code of conduct that you signed before uh, the season even got going. Make sure that's very clear to them because we have to basically now be in a situation where we got to get rid of these people who don't understand how to behave, uh, you know, at, at our kids' games. It's as simple as that. In fact, you know, I mentioned we, we continue to have these, these bad apples at these games, and the effect continues to ripple on. I mean, for example, in Connecticut, uh, according to uh, Josh, Josh Krasuski, who is the executive director of a Connecticut Junior Soccer Association, the number of referees working the, the games up there, it's down 30%. 
And the main reason for the drop-off, well, there's too many sports parents, soccer parents, who are verbally abusing or sometimes physically attack the refs at their kids' soccer matches. And again, this is a, when you drop off 30%, and we knew the refs were always in decline even before the pandemic, but the problem is it's continuing now even because of the same situation. The parents feel somehow that they are entitled uh, you know, to, to express themselves when it comes to the referees who work the soccer games. It's just, you can't allow that. All right, let's, 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 uh, let's continue in with our phone calls here uh, at 877-337-6666. Let's go to Anthony in Yorktown Heights in Westchester. Anthony, good morning. You're on the fan. Morning, Rick. I'll give you the referee perspective again. Uh, the International Association of Approved Basketball Officials is having its fall meeting this weekend in Trumbull, Connecticut, and the theme is without us, it's just pickup. Yep. Recruitment is the number one priority for every officiating association in the country right now. Football games are being canceled and rescheduled simply because we can't find enough crews for Friday nights when everyone wants to play. Mm -hmm. There's an 80% attrition rate for new officials by year three. Whoa, whoa, now, 80 percent Number one reason cited, abuse. The average age of a high school boys basketball official nationally is 58 years old. And I just have to disagree with that previous caller about challenging a parent to meet you in the parking lot. Yeah. Part of our training now, believe it or not, is officials are to note before a game an exit strategy where they can get out if fans storm the court. Yes. I've been doing this. I'm a Section 1 basketball official, varsity. I've been doing this about 25 years. I do AAU. I do travel. I do rec. I do CYO. And I have been physically assaulted. I have had police escorts to my car. It is really bad out there. And the thing is, I don't know where the next generation is coming from, because if you ask a 24 or 25-year-old if they want to do this for a 35 dollar travel game fee forget it they look at you like you're nuts yep yep i will in all fairness to uh to rob uh, freed who had mentioned that story about his father again that was 40 50 years ago and you know different time different place uh and i hear you loud and clear but as you said anthony the, the, the way it is today i mean you're, you're right in the middle of it and you're saying you can't you can't find new referees new officials because a the money isn't particularly uh, rewarding and b who wants to take their life in their hands and, and, and or just be exposed to a couple hours of verbal abuse by, by a lot of parents who just really just go to the game to scream and yell at, at the parents, at, at the uh, the refs? It doesn't make any sense, and yet we still can't seem to find a way to stop this. Uh, and I, I still agree. I feel very strongly the zero tolerance, I mean, that that works. I've seen it work, and I'm sure you have as well. Yeah, it's the only way. If you YouTube AAU basketball assaults, you'll see there are pages and pages of parents coming out on the court and throwing fists at officials. Oh, sure. It's unbelievable. I remember, uh, and, and thank, thank you for chiming in this morning, sure. Anthony. I very greatly appreciate it. Again, I mentioned early in the show, I appeared on Oprah Winfrey's show, you know, some years ago. And again, they had all sorts of video uh, of parents 
physically attacking uh, you know officials at all sorts of kids sporting events. I mean it was it was ugly and and you think holy smokes these are these are these are people who as I said early on these are people who live in your community they're mild-mannered people for the most part they have jobs they send your kids to the same schools uh, but something goes crazy goes haywire when they start seeing their kids they feel that the referee or the ump or the official is somehow uh, picking on them or the other coach isn't is doing something is not serving their kids needs the right way it's it's just bizarre let's continue on let's go to let's go to Bobby over in Bergen County good morning Bobby you're on the fan morning Rick Morning, Rick. How are yes, you? Yes, sir. How about how you doing? Right. Good. You know, earlier you before you talk about the referees, which is a great point, but you talked about like uh, the travel teams and uh, the parents that are getting mad because their kids are playing. You know, uh, they're paying a lot of money for their kids to be on the team. Well, you you hit the you hit the nail on the, you know, right on the head because a lot of these teams are put together by daddy ball, and and you know what your daddy ball is. I mean, sure. It's one coach thinks his kid is, you know, the best on the earth, and he gets three other coaches to, like, have their kids. They feel that they can use that team to, like, to showcase their kids for the next level. And then they find, like, eight or eight to ten other friends to join the team because they, they blow the smoke up their, the parents' butt that their kids are next coming of, uh, <laughs> of a softball player or a baseball player or whatever. Sure. So then you have these other ten play, parents that they're putting out exorbitant amount of money and then some of them that are at the end of the bench and never playing, how would you feel like that you're putting out 2,000? It's a learning experience. They don't come back the next year. No, of course imagine. not. But, it, but you know, it's – you know, these guys, if they're in the real world, they'd be indicted for, uh, for you know, for fraud. I mean, but, you know, but the parents pay this willingly. I mean, they, they're naive. Well, they're, well, they're like uh, lambs to the slaughter. But they, they pay the money willingly thinking it's all going to be uh, – everything's an equal playing field. But, Bob, as you know, it's not, that's not the reality. And, and, again, this goes back to another issue. And, Bob, thank you for, for the call this morning. The issue I've said for years, the commissioner of youth sports. There's got to be some sort of oversight for these things so the parents – you know, have somebody to to complain to if things uh, don't work out the way it should do. But right now, the parents just sit there and until they are fed up, and then they they explode and go nuts on the coach and say, "What is going on here? My kid's not getting get not getting playing time, or not getting is playing the wrong position, or whatever the situation may be." Let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Gus over Mamaroneck in Westchester. Hey, Gus. Good morning. You're next up on the fan. How are you today? Yeah, Gus. Um, I'm an umpire and I'm a former ball player and um, I'm 65 years old and I'm at Randall's Island ready to do a game today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when I was 17, okay, uh, I played for George Washington High School and I was one of the few juniors that ever made the varsity team mm-hmm. back then. And we won the championship against Cordoza in Yankee Stadium in 1973. Mm-hmm. And we had a packed, you know, team. But then my biggest glory was every team that I ever tried out for, I was very fortunate to make. The problem with today's kids, as, I, as an umpire that I see, is the fact that each team averages maybe three to four good kids, and the rest are just um, daddy who pays for their kids to be on the team. Mm-hmm. If, they had try, if they had tryouts and then daddy pays when the, team, when the kid makes the team, I think that would eliminate a lot of uh, abuse that coaches take from parents. And as far as from the umpire standpoint, when it comes to 
parents screaming because I also did Catholic high school football as a referee. Um, I, you know, we're told to ignore the parent, do not engage with the parent that's, you know, uh, voicing their opinions. Correct. The only time, you know, always have your phone in your pocket uh, because if that parent starts to come on the field to attack you, the only thing you can do is call 911. Do not engage in a fight because <laughs> now, with now with phone cameras and everything, you don't want to be on YouTube, you know, making a spectacle of yourself. That's right. And embarrassing, you know, the kids. You know, and it's not about fighting on the field. It's about playing on the field. And a lot of people don't get that. Gus, I, I tell you, I mean, I mean, I'd said earlier on in the show about the fact that you don't want to end up, uh, if you fight with a skunk, you both end up stinking. And that's, that's true. So, yes, I mean, especially and every everything today, especially when it comes to you, sports, amateur sports, high school sports, everything is videotaped. Everybody's got a cell phone with a with a video, a camera in it. We all know that. So, as you said, if you're the umpire or the referee, the last thing you want to do is be find yourself on YouTube because you were fighting back or, or doing something that was does not put you in a professional light. And the other thing I wanted to bring up to you is, yeah, a lot of this has to do, as you mentioned, about the tryouts. Uh, that's where parents really have to do their homework before you go out and have your kid, before you pay for your kid to try out for a travel or a club team. You better find out first, you know, how who's doing the tryouts, how they're being conducted. Is it really going to be on a, a level playing field? Or is it basically, as you said, just a, a situation where the, the, the fellow who's running the, the team basically is just asking, um, you know, the friends of his son or daughter to be in the team as well? Because, as you said, there's always a drop-off in terms of the talent level. I, it, it's just really weird. How we've gotten to this point, and, and Gus, thank you for for calling in this morning. But that's where we are today, and it's not it's not a good thing. Um, it's simple as that. Let's let's move on to our next caller. Let's go to uh, let's go to Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good, Ed. This must sound like a lot of stuff you've heard before. I'm sure. Oh, uh, we... I wish I had the whole show, but you had a lot of great callers and all that stuff. Yep. Here's the here's the situation that went up because my brothers. Um, I'm a former umpire, but my brother umps now. It's getting so bad that there are so many emails going out for umpires that they're taking good umpires from certain leagues. And if they're getting paid higher than from another league, the other league is matching that offer or even making it better so these guys can can, uh, can do the games. And matter of fact, my, my brother got his whole schedule filled up for the fall because of one guy taking care of matching, matching or better than the other prices. No, nope, no kidding. Yep, it's getting bad. But you know, Rick, the one of the things that that's important, okay? And I heard you know a couple close. As the coach of a team, whether it's high school, uh, travel, or whatever, um, parents feel like they can put, put, uh, do whatever they want. Especially travel, they're paying high school. They're either paying their taxes in the town. Or if they go to uh, a, a parochial school, they're paying tuition. Mm -hmm. What the coach has to do is very simple. And I've done this since I've been a coach, and it has worked wonders. You tell the parent, you, you don't speak to me about playing time. Have your son come over. We talk. They can listen. They can listen to what the coach says. But not only that, okay, always have an assistant there if you're the coach. Mm -hmm. so you know what? Parents today will twist the story to make it better for their kid. And uh, I've had that success. And I'll be honest, I've had, I have very few people have come, come and question about playing time because I stuck to my guns on that. And you yeah. know what? 
the, the players are the same way. They realize because I tell it like it is. You're not playing well enough. Why, why should I give you playing time? And they, they understand that. You know, the thing is, you got to stick to your guns. If you don't stick to your guns, every every parent can find out find out find a soft coach and, and they will tackle. You know, Ed, that's another good perspective. And and, and uh, thank you for for the call. Have as a great always. day, Rick. You too. And and you know, yeah. I mean, I I do think that. You know, the kids get to a point, especially where they get to be towards, uh, you know, ninth, tenth grade, and they're in high school, or, or you know, they, they can see for themselves if they haven't played well, if, if they're not doing well. Uh, and it is important for the coaches to be, you can be encouraging, but you got to be direct and honest and take, explain to them what exactly they're not doing well and how they need to improve. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a, a sort of a, if the coach just tells the kid what he or she wants to hear, you're giving them false encouragement, and that's not, that's not helping anybody either. So, and if you need the parent to hear this, well, then, then bring the parent in with the, with the youngster and say, look, here's the situation. Here's how it is. You aren't doing this as well as you should be doing this, whatever. And then just be careful. But again, to, to Ed's point, you got to have an assistant there as well, just in case the, the, the parent decides to, to uh, escalate the situation. So you got to be careful of these things because they can be potentially dangerous. Let me go quickly over to, uh, to Lindbrook where Steve is standing by. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Uh, it's great to speak to you. I just want to say that uh, when I listen to you, it reminds me of uh, listening uh, to your dad do when Nick Ames uh, mm. 50, 55 years ago. It really brings back uh, great memories. Thank you. Uh, the uh, the problem uh, is broad-based. It's a societal problem, and uh, society has deteriorated over the decades and uh, manifests itself in many different ways in terms of behavior. If you watch uh, television and you watch those uh, lunatic shows where people fight on the stage after telling uh, sordid stories about uh, their relationships, uh, you didn't have that uh, decades ago in the 60s, 70s, early 80s. Uh, the comedy that uh, you hear and see on television uh, is so uh, foul-mouthed. Uh, you know, it's just... Uh, well, yeah, I hear you. And I honestly, Steve, I... I, I... I, I'm not going to um, – yeah, I mean, there's no question. Society keeps uh, changing. We know that. Steve, th thanks for the call and your kind comments this morning. thing is, I understand that. We all understand that. There are There's a lot of things on television these days or on online, which is obviously goofy and offensive and whatever. But when it comes to – as I say all the time, it's one thing if you're a sports fan. If, you, if you're a diehard Yankees fan and you're hoping and praying they win today, or you're a Mets fan and you're bemoaning their, their difficult season this year, or you're a Giants or Jets fan and you go, you know, we understand what it's like to be a sports fan, and you take it seriously. But when you're a sports parent, well, now it's your flesh and blood. It's your son or daughter. And boy, oh boy, that is the center of your universe. And the fact of the matter is, you, you will, you want your kid's life in sports to go as perfectly and as great as possible. So it's one thing to be a, if you're a passionate, you know, Mets or, or Yankees fan or a Giants or Jets fan or Knicks fan or, or Nets fan. But the fact is, when you're, it's your kid who's playing sports, that's where you got to sort of really look in the mirror and say, you know what, I want the very, very best for my child. I'll even spend lots and lots of money. Uh, to get him on an elite club team or travel team. But the fact of the matter is, I have to be the grown-up. I have to play the role of the adult. And when I take my kid to that game and watch them perform, i got to make sure I, I control myself. And as simple as that, if you can't control yourself, 
walk away from all the stands, walk way down to the end of the playing field, be by yourself where nobody can hear you grimace or curse, whatever, but be by yourself. Just know that you've got to stay away from everybody else during the course of that game. That's the only chance you have because, honestly, we're at a point now where this has to just simply stop. Okay, that's going to do it. For me and this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks as always to the Zoo Man, Ed Arzuman. I will see you next Sunday morning right here on Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.